It's Friday. It is Toy Department time. I'm Derek Madden. He's Matt Kolsky. Where where are you right now, man? I'm in a uh, hotel room in Ontario, California, uh, adjacent to Rancho Cucamonga and nearby Claremont, California, where I many lives ago went to college and uh, am in the area for a college reunion. I mean, anytime you can be adjacent to Rancho Cucamonga. Hey, man, if I had time, I'd go see the Quakes, but I don't. Yeah. Um <laughs> Here, here you are. So you uh, you got to get somewhere pretty soon, right? You got to be reunioning. I'm supposed to be reunioning. So we're carving out a very special time for uh, this podcast, which, you know, uh, given how important it is to so many person, um, <laughs> couldn't miss it. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, I, uh, I, I, I took that personally. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> I was really talking about like one of our three listeners, but uh, it could be you. It might be you. Maybe it's been you all along. It, it has been. It has been me all along. Um, let's uh, let's jump into it then. Let's not let's not waste too much time. Should we start with the challenge this week? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, this was uh, it was an an interesting challenge. I feel like we we are officially suffering in the game from uh a lot of our good talkers being having been eliminated having been picked off one by one um not just talkers but like uh i don't know what the word is just like people who keep it pretty exciting (laughs) you know like like, the game's so exciting i just we're missing a little pizzazz i feel like yes a little bit of all that jazz is missing yeah like, uh, like I don't know. I wish there was a CT still looming over things. It, it, it's interesting, right? Theo, Theo kind of like laid out the strategy, but seems to be at play this season, right? Which is like get rid of the good players who could beat you in a final. Uh huh. And I mean, it seems to largely be working. This week was not a great example, but you know, I don't know. It's sort of working, I guess. This is, it's, it feels like a, a dumb season to try that because you automatically have so many people who are good right. in you know. Push That's the problem. Hands. That's the problem is like you really your your gains are very marginal. So yeah, uh, another seasons I sort of understand it right. I am often a guy that's like, hey, get Fessy and CT out of the game when you have right. to take your shot at them. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Um. But in this one, it's hard to do that. It's kind of it's a little hard to take shots at people because you don't know necessarily. Like, there's always a good chance they're going to kind of come back. You don't even know if they're going to really go in, right? It is a very hard game to wield power. Yeah, um, and I feel like that was deliberate because there are so many strong teams. Perhaps um, so I did. 
about this whole about the whole strategy, I guess is what I'm saying. Like I always feel like I always feel like the strategy is really just get to the final any way you can and then and then hope you can win it from there. Yeah. Right? Final is a, is definitely a leveler. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. In oh, and of yeah. itself. So I, and that's the part I think that the the Sarahs and the Theos have sort of mistaken. Right. You know. Because neither one of them is all that experienced at this game, right? No. This is the second season for Sarah and the third season for Theo, and I think one of them he got eliminated like week one, right? Third or fourth, maybe, yeah. But it's not. He's not. He is probably the least experienced of the legends that are in the house. Um, so that's definitely relevant. Uh, that being said, like two seasons, two seasons for Theo, yeah. Okay, so this is his third. He, he, these. I like I am inclined to agree with you from a philosophical standpoint and yet it's hard to argue with Sarah and Theo's results which are they have sort of driven a lot of decision making and never been mentioned to go in with any seriousness right yeah yeah so like it's been at times excruciating to watch and at times their decision making which really seems to be Sarah's decision making seems highly questionable but here they are getting pretty close to the final i mean there's only six teams left now i believe maybe seven um like they they've more or less accomplished the goal if the goal is get to the final and figure it out they're almost there yeah well i wouldn't say they're there yet i mean i think we're gonna get you know i mean i think we're how many people do you think they're taking to the final six eight total people yeah i'd say eight um so four teams so there's some more episodes to survive, I would say. Well, yeah, but but for a team that should be higher profile, I think the way they've slid this far is pretty... Uh, yeah. they, they did it. Ultimately, <laughs> you know? listen, that, that's kind of really the strategy. It should be the strategy is to slide. Right. <laughs> and And despite us both feeling like they have done things that should have prevented the slide, they've really pulled it off. Yeah. So if you are Tori... Do you trust that this deal that you've made with uh, Danny and Sarah is going to hold? If you're Tory, you don't have a choice. If you're Jordan, I don't think you you can trust it. Right? Yeah. Like, it's... The best version of Sarah is just quietly nodding, but in a way that's not at all reassuring. You know what I'm saying? And the worst version of her is like, talking down to people who've played the game literally 10 times more times than she has. So I don't see how you could trust her as an outsider. If you're Tori, it's like you're married to Danny in this situation. So what option do you have besides to roll with it? Yeah. I, I and made more, she'd made more of a pitch of like, Hey, like me protecting Jordan is also protecting you. I don't, I, I'm sure that's been said. I'm sure it's been said. And by the way, we did that whole thing talking about this last week of like, okay, who is Danny's alliance? And he went through it this week, and it's Sarah. That's it. Yeah. So this whole time, like, the obvious numbers decision has been to use Tory's allies as your primary alliance, but whatever. It seems like they're all saying they're together right now. And I think if you're Tory, the hope would be this. Sarah said she is with you. She said it to Danny as well. Danny doesn't have any reason to backstab himself. So I think the hope would be if Sarah does go back on her word when it comes time to throw in Emily, 
maybe Danny will no longer be so attached to Sarah. That's the best you can hope for, right? I suppose. Like at this point, Danny is uh, Danny should be worried about Danny and Kiki and their daughter. <laughs> and I and I think you know he has used Sarah as an ally to get to a certain point, but I do think he understands that, like once you get this close to the final, to, like. Uh, I feel like Tori's going to Nancy Kerrigan him on the mountain if, uh, he, if he keeps us up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he continues to, to like, ride Sarah's coattails, if she, if she turns on them, then I don't know what the hell you're supposed to do if you're Tori, to be honest. Uh, no, that's a great point. That's a great point. Sorry, <laughs> like, I, get, uh, I, get, I get buzzed. No, no worries. But it's just a weird buzzed. situation. It's... it's yeah. And it and I and I think we both agree that it's a weird situation that has been largely manufactured by Danny and Sarah for no reason. Um. Yeah. No. I think that's one hundred percent true. And I. It, it's. That's just why. Like. I don't. I just find the whole thing so puzzling. I find the whole thing so puzzling. I, I find like Danny's allyship with Sarah is puzzling. Yep. Sarah's ongoing paranoia in all, in every season of television I've watched her on, which isn't right. really only two at this point. <laughs> but um, but the aggressive way she expresses that paranoia is just so off putting. It's just um, fucking weird. It's weird. Uh, and I did. I will say though that I did very much enjoy Jordan ending up as the mediator for Tori and Danny. <laughs> that was it. Was like. Danny's like, it's okay now. We've got a mediator. His name is Jordan Wisely. It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, see how that goes. Did you have a line of the week this week? Uh, I did. Uh, I bet we have the same line of the week, but go ahead and give me yours. <laughs> um, I like pear-shaped. Pear-shaped is when you got ass. That's it. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It is. It is. First of all, hilarious that the I feel like pear shaped as British phrases go is a pretty well known one. So the fact that it was completely foreign to Durrell and also the fact that he then decided like we were talking about the shape of a body, therefore pear shape is ideal <laughs> was Tremendous stuff. He's like, that's that's my primary goal. What are you talking about? <laughs> it sounds pretty good to me. That is that is literally the dream. Why are you saying it like it's bad? Uh, I did also enjoy uh, Emily saying, uh, "Don't show that to my mom, or she won't let me come." Which, out of context, very funny. Bad, but yeah. uh, was just about her wrecking the the. Uh, that was scary, man. She really rolled. I mean, Tori just kind of did a, a dumb flop over at the end. But yeah, it was scary. But I really feel like the producers kind of played us there a little bit. The oh, sure. Went to break with her, like what? she like flopped onto the ground, sort of. Yeah. yeah. And you're thinking like, oh, I don't know, if she's gonna be on the show anymore. You know what I mean? Like, and it basically was like, oh, she's fine. <laughs> you know, but it did. This is offensive, and I apologize to all the other challenge competitors. It did drive home to me, like, oh, God. Like, this is a true elite athlete that could actually get significantly injured in this situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, bye-bye Olympics uh, if if you, you know, break your back in a ATV accident on the challenge. 
Have we figured that out? Where is is she uh, uh, actually attempting to be in this Olympics? I have no idea, but she seems like she's not totally aged out. I guess swimmers age out pretty young. I, I feel like she did at some point like do a thing where she was explaining um, Emily. Wait, that's not the right Emily. Where she was explaining what her swim plan was. Interesting. I kind of now that you say that. I kind of remember there was something to do. Ah, uh, she is thirty, so she might be. She might I mean, have aged out. You could still compete in the Olympics at thirty. Yeah, but there's not a lot of thirty-year-old swimmers. That said, she's a multiple gold medalist, so you know, who knows? Um, now that you say it, though, I do vaguely remember her saying something about the way this fit into her training schedule. So, you know, and honestly, I feel like if you're at that level, like even if she's not trying to make the whatever it would be 2024 olympic team um she's still training <laughs> she's still gonna be swimming at a high level for a while yeah for sure for sure um, um let's see her she won a gold in a relay and a bronze individual medal in tokyo um so it seems like she's probably still in the mix yeah, that would have that would have would have been awkward. She has holy hell! If you go through her like full medal count from the World Championships and the you know Commonwealth Games and all that stuff, she is she has got to be one of the most decorated Australian Olympians of all time. She's got to be. I mean, they win a lot of they win a lot of swimming medals. Yeah, yeah, but still, she has many of them. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Fair enough. <laughs> she is a like uh she is a Australian like uh you know right uh knight sort of thing. Mm. Um like I don't know if she has the highest one but yeah, she has the, or- the the Order of Australia medal, which is <laughs> significant. <laughs> she uh, is clearly you- the most serious person yeah. who has ever been on the challenge. Also, she's engaged to one of the Challenge Australia contestants. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Good for her. Uh, Ryan, I guess we haven't met yet. Because we haven't watched that other show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Um, all right. Um, any more challenge thoughts? I think that pretty much locks it up for me. Um, I I have written in a few things I would mention. Um, the daily was was in fact super dope. Um, it was super dope. However, it was another one of those where it's basically impossible to tell who was doing well. That's true, and I would say it, it was not the most like strenuous thing. You know what I mean? Like, yes, it's a little yeah. tough to run and jump on moving vehicles, but like, it wasn't the most difficult. It was extremely cool. Um, yeah, they could have spit that out though in any order, right? right? When, when those guys got together, and you would have been hard pressed to be like, "What?" You know what I mean? Hundred um, percent. Yeah. Another episode in like what is going on with Darrell's level of confidence. He drove the ATV and Kiki was running and jumping. That's why they lost. What what was that about? Yeah, maybe it's a heights thing. 
Yeah, maybe, but it, uh, that, like, I don't know. If, I, if you're Darrell there, you kind of got to suck it up, dude. Like, you can't lose this. I mean, I guess you can, but you don't want to. Um, so, yeah, uh, the whole Kellyanne overdramatic nonsense, is, uh, <laughs> its time came and went, and I'm glad it's over. Yeah, uh, I don't have to worry about it anymore. That's right. Uh, she's so crazy. Tristan, poor Tristan, was trying so hard just to, like, keep her not spinning out. And One of my actual notes is I'm sad for Tristan. He's doing everything he can. Every single thing he can. He's trying <laughs> so hard. He's being so understanding and yet trying to convey the message of like you're going to get us booted from this place. Yeah. And he can't he and can't help her. He's like, hey, can you just calm down like just a little bit? She's right. like, I don't know what to do. Right. It's crazy. <laughs> it's completely crazy. And the way she cried when she got thrown in, like she never could have seen it coming, was so goofy. Um I just wrote down Kellyanne crying is a silly um, in my notes. And then the last thing was like for an elimination between, I would say, definitely the two weakest teams on board. Very tension filled. Yeah, it was good. It was a good elimination. It was. It was was a good elimination. It was a tight elimination. You didn't really know who was going to win. So, yeah, felt the tension, felt the tension. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we got a wide open uh, rest of the season yet to come, and I would say the same is true for Top Chef, right? Like, wow. The the continuing of anybody can be in the top and anyone can be in the bottom. I feel like we we rolled into that yet again this week. Absolutely. Although I'll say the same thing I say every week, which is, it's not that he can't be in the bottom because he can make that big mistake. No question about. It. He almost did it this week, but instead he ended up with the quick fire winning dish buddha is just something different yeah i mean he's your don't he's used i would say he's slightly favorite over the field but yes like, you know i mean you can kind of you know the, at least the preview gave you a sense that he's really struggling in restaurant wars next week you know yep. what i mean i could definitely see well you know oh man restaurant wars can get anybody right like you end up doing the wrong thing or uh you know, just being on a bad team and someone makes a mistake. Like, the restaurant wars is dangerous. But at least once a week, Buddha blows the minds of, like, the best chefs in the world. Yeah. And, I mean, particularly this, you know, by the skin of his teeth. <laughs> right. <laughs> on that quick fire this week. Oh, by the way, before we get into it, like, or I guess after we started getting into it, but before we go further, um, and Sarah said as much on the show. I have never seen a judge go chill with the contestants. And even though, like, I don't know Goggin from uh, Joe Rogan, I I thought that was super cool. I did too. I feel like I have seen it before, but I couldn't say I could. I can't cite an example, but I feel like it must have huh. happened. At okay. Some point. Well, in any event, it's cool thing for him to do. On the show, you know right, I mean? right. But it's certainly not common, right? And and I yeah. thought his like approach to them and message to them, at least that we saw, was really awesome. Victoire um, was when he was like, "Yeah, sure, come, come cook at my kitchen one time." Like Victoire was like, "Holy!" <laughs> like she just like lit up, which I love. Yes, and it was it it was like one of those situations where it looked like. Uh, like he was just saying the nice thing and she was like, cool, so like, can I write down your number and maybe we could put this on the schedule? <laughs> yeah, I'll be there next week. <laughs> like he may have meant it. He may have been totally sincere. I don't know. But it, but like just the way the situation played out very much felt like he was being nice and she was like, great, let's book it right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the respect level I feel like that the contestants in general have had for the guests in general this year has been very high, which is uh, cool to see. 
cool to see, especially knowing how high the level of talent in this competition is, right? Like, these are not even normal Top Chef contestants, which is normally an incredible collection of chefs. These are some of the best of the best of Top Chef contestants, and they're still blown away by some of these judges. It does, it do, it is noticeable, and it says something about it. Um, can I just pick one nit before we talk more about the quick fire? Yeah. I try with Sarah. It's funny. The, the Sarah's in both games I struggle with because like there are some things I really like about her and actually like her fuck it. I make my food and my food is like some Kentucky country bullshit that doesn't look great, but I'm going to blow your minds with my taste. Like I dig all that about her, but she has kind of overwhelming Karen energy and the way she insisted on saying empanada, which is not the correct pronunciation, it's just putting an enye in. It's it it. it. Are you sure that it's not the correct? I double checked. I, I mean, I definitely also say empanada. A, uh, I double checked. You noticed that the show put the little thing in there, and you know how the show is about representation in world food. So I feel like. Well, I would say the fact that a I looked it up, and b Amar says empanada are two good signs that that is not <laughs> the correct pronunciation. I want to um, get Gabby in this. Uh, yeah, we should ask Gabby how he says it, but I'm fairly certain that it is an empanada. Um, and that may not be the perfect, you know, Spanish accent on it, but it is not empanada. Or if it is, she's, she's the first person who's ever told me that, and I just find it hard to believe that it's Sarah of Kentucky who's been pronouncing <laughs> empanada correctly the entire time. Anyway. It, it sort of reminded me of that. I think it was a, there was a Saturday Night Live once upon a time. Uh, and I want to say it was Bob Costas. But it, like the bit was like people just really going out of their way to do correct pronunci uh, Spanish pronunciation in like English conversation. That sounds you know right. I mean? Yeah. And how, and how weird it was. It, it sort of reminded me of that. Right. It's and weird it's in the first place if it was the correct pronunciation because she has... She is certainly not making an effort to do, like, an accent. She is just leaning hard into the Enya for some reason. And it just she really... She like someone who didn't know how to say it. That's, that's right. That's... And she said it so many times. Like, it was like she was looking for excuses to show off the Enya, and it really was getting to me. Um, also... I, 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 I pro Sarah generally for the record. Yeah, I, 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 like I said, I it's not like Sarah on the challenge. It's it's a it's I it's more of a struggle because I actually like a lot of things about her. Anyway, the um the look that Padma gave Tom when the guest judge was like, "Do you like to eat? Do you like to cook Indian food?" And he was like, "Oh yeah." Padma just kind of like. It was this, like, oh, really? I kind of doubt it look <laughs> that, like, I don't know. If Tom caught it, it probably devoured his soul. I guess, except it turned out to be right, right? Like, no, I mean, he did a good job, but it was, it, she hadn't eaten it yet. But it was just yeah. the way she looked at the German guy when he was like, oh, yeah, love, love Indian food. <laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> well, I, like I mean, he very much knew, like, no one wants to cook Indian food for Padma. So, like, no, he, he knew, knew what he, he was taking he was on. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, and it was so, really good. Amar. Where, I want to ask before you get too far, where do you stand on Tom? Because I feel like at times Tom is sort of made out to be the a-hole on this show. 
Um, I really don't think he's an asshole. I th- no, I, yeah, I just think he's just sort of German. You know what I mean? He's very German, but I also think he's funny. That makes him the a-hole, if that well, makes sense. <laughs> it's a combination of the fact that he's German and the fact that he is just—he's one of these, you know, uh, glasses and and liquid nitrogen and chemistry chefs, right? Yeah, and he can be a little take chargey. Like you know, he he put Gabriel in a bad spot this week. I would say for yeah, sure. Yeah, and he also, but I honestly. If Gabri had been as forceful during the challenge about it as he was in his ITM complaining about it, I, exactly I think what I said, like, right. you should have said something right then, and that if you didn't know how to do this, you know well, what I mean, right? Because he was like, "Well, I I haven't really done that before, but I can do it," and it's like, "All right," like he said it as if it was no big deal, and clearly in the end, like he really had no idea what to do. Like, it wasn't just that he hadn't done it before. It's like he wasn't even familiar with the term. Right. Um, and Tom diced the fuck out of those tomatoes, right? So it's like... Um, the peppers, yeah. It was an incredible powder. dicing. So you understand why he wanted to do that part, you know? Yeah. Um, and by the way, when he cooked the pepper, that was, I think, the best-looking dish of the day to me. Yeah. I really love the mise en place race. It's the, fun. This, this whole challenge reminded me the most of the challenge, you know what I mean? But Right. Like, um... I, I just think knife work is such an important part of cooking. Well, and, and it, it is the, the challenge is kind of really about that is, is cool to me, you know? I 100% agree, and I would add that it's the most ob- it's one of the most obvious points of distinction between even, like, a great home chef and a professional. Like, very few non-trained chefs have that level of knife skill, so it's cool to see. Yeah, yeah. And and you can also see how like some they're all good with knives, but some of them are good on some things, and some of them are good on others. A hundred percent, yeah. Well, like yeah. some of the and and truly, like the way it's especially noticeable with something like Tom's pepper, because you and I have chopped hundreds of peppers in our lifetime. We know what it is to chop a pepper, and it's inconceivable to do it the way he did it. In fucking conceivable. Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah. Or, I would never have the, the confidence. Did that fish. You know oh, I mean? like, <laughs> it's it's <Whoa>. crazy. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, even the way Sarah did the avocados, like, I struggle for at least two minutes just like cutting it open and getting the pit out. Anytime I open an avocado, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and well, it, I, it, I cannot relate because I would, yeah, I will never open an avocado. Why? Oh, I'm a hard hard out on avocados. Interesting. And avocados and mayonnaise are, are, if you know me, you know, those are the two things that I will not, I don't, I don't do. You know, in a weird way, that those, those two strong dislikes kind of make sense together. Yeah, there, it's, you know, it's a little, some of it's texture. Um, but there is like a, there's a fatty creaminess. And which yeah. they're, they're, they're stuck there. You're never getting them out. Right. Yeah. They, um, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Fascinating. And unfortunately, when you live in California, both of them are things that people will often put in your stuff without even telling you about it, which really is annoying. Definitely mayonnaise. Maybe not so much avocado. Oh, you have no idea how many times I've just gotten avocado out of nowhere. Really? Well, I guess that's yeah. the sort of thing you don't notice when you consider that to be a delightful bonus. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Right. 
when, when it's hey sandwich ruined you you notice you know what i mean yep um, so, um yeah. i i i did want to add like amar who i just love <clears throat> he just can't help himself everything he makes is too big everything he knows <laughs> he, just, he has a portion problem it's true he knows it's going to be too big but he just and and every time he presents it with this smile of like yeah i know <laughs> yep it's it's huge <laughs> his uh i imagine his restaurant is like that american restaurant in the in the recent ted lasso where it's like <laughs> this is more, just ridiculous. <laughs> that's the whole it's the whole gimmick yeah, uh, good times. <laughs> um, I also thought just my last note on the the quick fire was Victoire's jerk. Really, it was one of those fe- Top Chef dishes that I like reached towards the screen for. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I she, that's just one of those things where it's like as soon as she started making, I'm like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. I'd like to try that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Fast and the Furious was this week's honorable overproduced uh, product placement. That was pretty cool. Worked well because it's like everything about Fast and Furious is over the top. So That's right. And we got maybe like four good puns about how they were going to do things fast and furiously. Yeah, um, we, got a little, we got a little diesel in there too. Yep. Yep. The diesel. We got most of the, most of the crew really. Most of uh, the familia, if you will. <laughs> Luda, yeah. you know, we got Luda, we got Michelle. I was shocked they got uh, Michelle. How many Fast and Furious movies have you seen? Oh, I've seen them all. You've seen them all? Okay. Oh, yeah, and the and the dumb side one with uh, with Statham and The Rock. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so you're you're a completist, if you will, on, on that. You're goddamn right I am. And, <laughs> and I... Like, I would be excited to win, a, win tickets to the premiere of Fast X. Sweet. <laughs> Which I would, I would be excited to give you my tickets to the premiere. Well, you be sure and let me know if you get them. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, as far as the actual challenge went, um, the, I, I, <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, I, I like. I was shocked that Charbel ended up on the bottom. Shocked. I mean, partially just because he was, I think, the only guy who hadn't been there yet. Um, but not more surprised than I was when they were like, "Our big idea is we're all going to cook lamb," because I think that's what screwed Charbel. Was like he was the one who was supposed to center the lamb. But a dish that centers lamb in between two other lamb dishes, ostensibly centering something else with way more ingredients, just looks boring, which is exactly what they said about it. Yeah, I have a feeling it would have been a boring dish either way. It might have so, been, yeah, but I, I do agree. think it's... it's it looks pretty, though. It looked nice, and if, if I think that's one of those dishes where if the lamb was cooked well, which it seemed to be, if it hadn't been sitting next to two more exciting lamb dishes, they might have been like, look, that still would have been the losing team. The other two teams were much better. But they might have been like, well, he cooked the lamb really well, and that was his job. <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> but even if they didn't think it was the most exciting, someone would have been like, yeah, well, it wasn't the most exciting, but the lamb was cooked perfectly, and like his job was to center the lamb, you know, so blah, blah, blah. But the fact that the other guys also cooked, like, I get it. Sarah at least put a lot of orange on the plate, but it's you're going to have a hard time convincing me that the orange was really the star of that dish with a giant fucking piece of lamb in the middle of it. I mean, I don't know. They seem to... They, there were a number of remarks about how much the orange came through, right? But and it's, they, but it's very still clear of like you're not a, you're not the problem here. Let's talk to these other two. Yes, and so. I think it was clearly the best of the three, no doubt. I'm just saying, like, it was orange lamb, <laughs> not lamb orange. <laughs> if that makes sense, I don't know. Like, <laughs> lamb orange just sounds weird. Orange was the it does. Orange was clearly the primary. Like added <laughs> flavor was, driver. It's not orange a la lamb. Right. Yeah. There you go. That would have been a better way of saying it. Um. Yeah. I don't. I, you know. I don't know. But I, I do think. I, I think ultimately the right person went home. Although it surprised me when they said it. So I don't know. Like Amar. Yeah. It's tough. It, it's, like we've been saying over and over again for a few weeks now, it's just going to be tough every week. I will say, like, the way Charbel smashed Last Chance Kitchen makes me think it really was kind of, everyone got kind of lucky that he had a bad week. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, as he mentioned, it was his first time in the bottom. Yep. Although, I don't know why the other contestants were giving him a hard time because he's not the only one in which that is the case. So No. Uh, Nicole and Sarah have also not been at the bottom. Oh, huh. Okay. I, unless you count this week, I guess. Um, I kind of wouldn't because of the way, you, like you said, they kind of were like, yeah, you're fine. Like, you're on the losing team, but you're off the table for going home. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But I think in general, the the fact that they all cooked lamb was goofy. It was. It was goofy. It was a goofy choice, and it kind of put them in the spot that they were in. So, yep, yep, yep. Uh, next week, Restaurant Wars. Looks like somebody's going to have a real hard time. Uh, a couple of somebodies. But who knows? And they could just be, they could totally be doing a misdirection on us. So we'll find out. They could be. Uh, you know, but that does tend to be a leveler. And I, I fear for any, for whoever's doing front of house. It's always the, like, the biggest gamble of any season, basically, right? Is agreeing to be front of house for Restaurant Wars. I feel like it's Tom, the biggest Tom risk are the ones that I feel like we're are most likely to be front of house people. I'm like, huh? Right. I don't think Tom would want to do it. That's for sure. Amar might be one of the dudes who'd be like, I'll, I'll handle front of house. I feel I like Tom would be in front of house before that. That would add up. I feel like Tom would much prefer to be in the kitchen, even though you're right that he does maybe have the personality for it. But do you, I, mean, I like Victoire's just almost a, like hard no just because of the language barrier. That's that would be very tough. But I mean, obviously, I don't, you see Gabri be in front of house. No, but Sarah could no. easily do it, right? Um, Sarah could do it. You're right. Nicole could definitely do it. Right. The question always is like, who's going to take it on? Because usually, either someone volunteers to take the bullet, or it's like a. Rock paper we scissors Nicole, situation. We've seen her with the are, is, are, is, are you yelling at me thing already? So well, who knows though? She could have run back to the kitchen to send a message, and uh, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? It's no, all she, on the table. She wouldn't wear. She wouldn't wear. Oh yeah, that's you know, right. That's right. Yeah. So. That's a good point. 
Um, all right. It does um, look like it's going to get spicy, so I'm excited for that. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, let's talk some culture because we got to get you out of here pretty soon, right? Absolutely. Um, every once in a while, uh, a show comes along where I just got to throw up my hands and say, I don't know that I understand what's happening. Um, and for me, Mrs. Davis, that show. <laughs> It, uh, when you say it, do you say it in a I don't have time for this way or in like a I'd like to find out what's happening way? Um, I would say that it makes me less curious to find out what's happening. Just the fact that I've, uh, uh, I've now watched it, you know, two times and I'm just sort of like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. What are we doing here? <laughs> it is. I, especially because I expect it. You know, I had some high, fairly high expectations going in. Okay. Well, I'd say a couple things. Um, the first being that I know I wasn't turned on to the leftovers immediately. <laughs> Fair so, enough. And so, confused by the leftovers at points. Um, yes, very confused. Um, in exactly the same way, I would argue, of like, we're throwing a lot of noodles at the wall here, fellas. Um, we got some God stuff. We got some childhood trauma. We got some magicians. We got maybe some like legitimate uh supernatural shit going on it's hard to say it's it's very weird and if you've only watched two there's an international global conspiracy that's happening and like double crossing (laughs) yeah it's way out there but i have to say for me betty gilpin is the perfect tour guide through the like insanity of whatever's happening because she is very much like part of that protagonist role is very much to embody what I think is probably the the expectable viewer reaction of what in the f, f is happening? <laughs> like, what are we doing? Because there's a lot of her being like, "Are you serious? What? What the? What is this?" Yeah, yeah. There is a lot of that. There's and, a lot of that. And for me, that works at least to get me through the first few. And and I have to say, like, if there is no coming together or resolution of all the noodles on the wall, it will end up being a frustrating experience, and I'm prepared to accept that. But I enjoy watching Betty Gilpin navigate her way through it enough that I'm in at least for now. Okay. Yeah. I, this is the kind of thing where... In a vacuum, I would say, yeah, I'm probably going to keep with it. But uh, in the ultra hard come, you know. Well, that's the thing, right? That is today's that is the current television environment. I'm probably a question mark. I guess I right. Well, I guess everything I just said is purely philosophical because ultimately it comes down to like, at what point do I sit down and say I'm ready to use some more hours on this? And it's uh, like it's not on the high priority list. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm not keeping up with Yellow Jackets right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I am, but I know exactly what you mean because uh, although I tried to hide it, the Ted Lasso reference you made earlier fell on deaf ears because I'm not caught up on Ted Lasso. Yeah. Yeah. I, right now, it's like I'm up on Ted Lasso. Succession. Succession. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Succession I'm watching every week. Yeah. And no, but it's easy to fall fair. behind, especially with all the stuff. <laughs> <I think> that's <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Especially with all the crap we're doing here. Um I think Barry's the one I, I slipped on this week because I am caught up on Yellow Jackets. But that's the that's the TV world we live in, so it's tough. But I, like, I would not tell someone not to watch this show because there is, it is somewhat engaging and attractive based on 
just the the goofiness and the the star uh just without knowing that it's going somewhere sensible it's hard to give it too strong a recommendation either correct yeah i I would say it's interesting give it a shot see what you think yeah let us know what you think maybe you can figure it out (laughs) um i want to talk about dead ringers uh, of which you I do? only watched one. Yeah. You want to talk about Dead Ringers? Okay, all right. If you say so. I <laughs> I only watched one because it was so intense. Yep. And I was so uncomfortable uh, that it was really just hard to say, okay, I'm ready to dive into another one. And you know what's fucked up about that? Because I feel exactly the same way, although I think I got to two. Um, I, but I do think that is a, a like I think it is a credit to the people making it because I definitely think that that is the feeling that they are trying to engender in you. Well, yeah, but what's fucked up is that nothing messed up has even happened yet. It's all like menace and th- suggested threats, and it is I still know. so flippin' intense. Like it's hard. It like I'm. Tr- I I like I get antsy watching it. Like I I I like bounce in my seat. It's it's kind of upsetting <laughs> well i think and i think some of it is that just that the process of birth is a literal horror movie yeah yes like, I, I not you know we this is the toy department when we try to keep it non-political here but i would encourage any male legislator to watch this show and feel like afterwards that you should have any say any say in, like what happens in this particular woman's health sphere like we do not know what is going on here. No. And how insane and intense it is. And I um yeah, just seeing a little bit of it. Yeah. Like makes me want to run for the hills. Yes. And and I say that as a father of two. It is such a brutal process. And by the way, like one of the most cogent things about this show in the first episode or two, and uh, uh, something that it is clearly very much trying to remind anyone who puts it on, is like, part of the reason it's so bad is because of how badly all the men in charge have made it work for all this time. And like, there's a desperate need, not only for reproductive rights to be safe, which is a should be a no-brainer, but for like, a drastic adjustment of the system to accommodate what we know about what works and doesn't work for specifically birthing health. It's a, it's a goddamn disaster the way it's done. And so much of the reproductive rights part is, is focused on the little, uh, fetus thing that's coming out and not on the woman who's involved here. And that is a, that focus is weird. You know what I mean? It's so weird. Like, but it is the toy department, so uh, you know. I don't. I think we've done enough. Um, you know, women's health uh, proselytizing. I, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I do think that, that the body horror part of this aside, this yes. show is still deeply weird. <laughs> That's the thing. There is the like. I, I never saw the film, and I, and I, but I believe it starred Forever. a man. Um, so I don't know if it was the same I idea. Is that right? That sounds right. Uh, but. The you know there is clearly a deeply disturbed and disturbing relationship between these twins. Yes, Jim. Um, yeah, and and like just exactly how twisted their personal lives are seems to be kind of a uh, you know black box 
of unknown depth. <laughs> and the characters that are coming in and out of their lives are... I mean, if you didn't see episode two, you haven't totally gotten to this point yet. But, like, the people they are interacting with are largely bizarre in a very menacing way. Um, so it's just a show filled with menace and horror. And that's before there's really any graphic horror stuff, you know? Like, it's not, like there is graphic stuff, but it's not like horror movie crap exactly. It's just the natural horror of what women have to go through during childbirth. So, like, God only knows if there's going to be some real... And based on what I have seen to this point, I think it's going to get much nastier. I don't know that I can handle it. I'm not saying it's bad. Rachel Weiss is doing work. Um, yes, she is. But, but it's a lot. Like, steal yourself to watch Dead Ringers. Yeah, 100%. 100%. This is, it is not for the faint of heart, this show. Um, but, uh, but it is, it's quite something. <laughs> it is. It is. And to be fair, like, I, I think that probably, that description works for a lot of David Cronenberg's content. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I get, I haven't watched a ton of it. Uh, but that's the senses that that's his that's his uh, his happy place. Strangely enough, I remember I when I, I'm pretty sure I was too young. He made a movie about people who like got off on car crashes that I watched for some reason. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. um, crash with like, with Rosanna Arquette. I want to say right. It's the crash that didn't win the Oscar. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's James Spader and uh, yeah, uh, Holly Hunter yeah. and Rosanna Arquette. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, <laughs> similar. At least you need to steal yourself for it, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, like I'm, I'm with you. I've seen probably half of his movies, but like The Fly is not an easy watch. You know what I'm saying? Like it's always been this way. Um, so yeah. Um. All right. <laughs> let's let's move on. Yes, let's. <laughs> Uh, what was the other thing we watched? Oh, it was um, uh, the Diplomat. That's uh, the Diplomat. It, well, the Diplomat is the thing I watched the most of. Really? So yeah. okay. Um, that honestly, I have weird reactions to all three of the shows we watched this week. But here's what I would say about the Diplomat. Um, it feels as exciting as the plot written on paper would be. It feels very much to be about the room where the po politics decisions happen more than the action that precipitates the decisions. You know what I mean? The show is heavy on hallway and office drama. Yeah. In a way that sounds boring, but actually I find that to be the more engaging parts. Yeah, me too. Well, and that's kind of all right. So this is my problem with the show. Like, I feel like, um, you know, there's that famous quote from the Netflix exec about how we're trying to make gourmet cheeseburgers. And for a while, I was like, oh, this show is the platonic ideal of that. Right. Right. Like that. It's it's pretty gourmet, uh, and, but also just a little soapy. And I think really. Ultimately, it's not the platonic ideal because they just there's too much extra cheese on, on it. You know what I mean? Like, well, no, I almost they, feel they like this show that has all these interesting hallway 
connotations right. and just ramp the drama like just just turn the drama way up like do, do we really need for Hal to be kidnapped fake you kidnapped. know what i mean to get to, to what like fake, like fake kidnapped. kidnapped it's weird yeah. like 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 the way that they are twisting the knot on on um um your main character Carrie Russell yeah Carrie Russell's character thank you um like I don't know it's it seems really really over the top you know what I mean like they they're picking the most the most dramatic option uh, at all times uh, yeah I I would almost say this isn't. This is like a bad, I can't, this is the best I can do and I apologize, but if what they're looking for is gourmet cheeseburger, that maybe what they have here is gas station caviar, if you catch my drift. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's the, it's the, it's the fancy thing. (laughs) It's the fancy thing, but it's done at the, at the budget or not budget, but like the like basest level. And and yes. and and maybe kind of the point of my analogy is like a gourmet cheeseburger is definitely a thing, and gas station caviar is not a thing because you don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> so like, if this was just caviar and a show that didn't bother with the explosions and like manufactured moments of physical tension. I actually think Carrie Russell is really good and the like diplomatic machinations part of it is the best part. Yeah, me too. And she's she's acting her ass off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and in a very different role than than some other roles that you might have assumed were similar. Yeah, and like the people trying to get powerful people to do things that they don't really want to do is really interesting. Yes. And that's why I'm like do we need to like Take it like this, you know what I mean? Right. It's like they, like, and here's what I don't understand, right? Okay, you want to make a gourmet cheeseburger, like, we watched The Recruit, and I haven't watched The Night Agent, but it seems to be doing pretty well. People seem to like it or whatever. So, like, there's your gourmet cheeseburger. Like, is it so bad to do the caviar without trying to make it populist caviar? Well, that's the thing is that I suspect that this version... Uh, is more popular than the version that we're talking about that we just think would be better. You know what I mean? Well, right, but like if you've got a popular, you know, government spy drama that comes out once every two months, can't don't do you not have time or money to make something where you don't worry about that? <laughs> I don't. I don't yeah, know. Like they're, not, they're not making in the loop or Top Boy or like you know what I mean? Like right? They're not HBO. I think that's what right. they're saying. Like they're they're gonna be like we're always gonna put some Shondaland into this if we can, you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess that's what it comes down to. And but, that's why but, that's why you have two of these people who are like sleeping together, even though it's highly inappropriate in these situations. You right, know what I mean? right, right. Well, and then I like that, but that you know, that whole thing, and where you don't have time for this rabbit hole. But it, that is the thing that makes me the most nervous about the future of the industry is that like, to me. The whole thing about being Netflix instead of CBS is that there's really no downside, but but like an extra billion dollars, <laughs> which I guess like ultimately they can't <laughs> but, see past it. Right. The whole point was supposed to be you're supposed to be the entire spectrum. Right. But 
Right. That's what I'm saying. I think Netflix has lost interest in that and is going for the big squishy middle. Right. Just and I think that sucks. That HBO Max doesn't want to doesn't want to put the HBO out front anymore because it's too classy. Yeah, I think it sucks. And our, I, and people who watch Doctor Pimple Popper on Discovery are not interested in that. Right. So. Right. That's that's where the industry is headed. It's sad, desperate place. It's it is sad. It's unfortunate. Um. And it's luckily. Like <laughs> I well, but I do think the good news is there are enough like good creative people with enough power to avoid a complete absence of of like thoughtful quality material, but it does it does still gonna be making good stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? Like whether whether their name's on the on the thing or not. Right. It just I mean? does it feels like a squeezing of the best things in the television space is happening. And that it does if it's frustrating. Yeah. It is. I am fr- officially frustrated. Um, Confirmed. Right. Frustration has been achieved. <laughs> so homework this week. Uh, we are going to watch an HBO show. There you go. See, uh, still got two it. Two of them, in fact. <laughs> um, Love and Death uh, is out now, um, and that is Elizabeth Olsen. Um, and um, I was just HBO. yeah. I was just talking to a friend a couple nights ago about like I forget what we were watching that made us oh I think in fact I think we saw a preview for this um, for the sh- for the very show we're talking about <laughs> but who would have thunk that the Olsen we'd all be talking about in 2023 is the little sister of, of the twins you know weird world yeah. when was the last time you heard a damn thing about nothing the nothing they're not they're not on my radar at all I think they took all their money and just went off somewhere. And you know what? Good for them. It's not a criticism of them by any stretch of the imagination. 100%. It's just uh, it's just one of those things of like, wow, weird world. Yep, 100%. Uh, Jesse Plemons is also uh, in this as well, yes. which is usually a sign something's going to be good. True story. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, White House Plumbers, that is the, the uh, story about Watergate. Yeah, I don't uh, totally understand how those two things connect. Um, like the the actual machinations of why that is the show about Watergate that we're about to watch is not clear to me, but I'm interested to find out. Yeah, and it's got Woody Harrelson, Justin Thoreau, and Dom Hogleason, Kim and Chipka, Ike Barinholtz. Exactly. Oh, we got Barinholtz and Crumholtz. So that's, yeah, you know, very excited. By the way, uh, the... Um, the hotel.com spots with Baron Holes, um, uh, those are fantastic. The, the Adi, Adi DeFranco jokes all day. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Sure. Who's not here for Adi DeFranco jokes? <laughs> They're so great. Um, uh, yeah, this, this cast actually, as I'm looking at it, is, is pretty It's a fantastic. great cast. It's a great cast. Uh, F. Rembrie Abraham, Judy Greer, Kathleen Turner. Lena Hetty. Yeah. Oh, Lena Hetty's in there. Didn't yep. see that one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we're going to watch that. And then uh, Citadel, which is the uh, big hyped Amazon Prime science fiction thing. Stanley Tucci. Yeah. And it does seem like Richard Madden yeah. at this point has just leaned hard into being the guy with the gun and the bulletproof vest. And he's good with it. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of work there. A lot um, of work in that department. And uh, also Priyanka Chopra Jonas. Go yeah. She's got Jonas in there now. She also, um, she's also in some sort of uh, upcoming rom-com, I think, where uh, her husband might have a bit part. 
Oh, okay. I'm probably not going to watch that. Yeah, fair. I'm, I'm not going to make you. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't even remember what it is. But, okay, uh, yeah, go, Priyanka go Chopra. Your, your college good times. All right, party time. I'll talk to you later. Bye. This game's in the Admiral Refrigerator. The door is closed. The light's out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor. Have yourself a tremendous evening.